hoping that we all sound a little more normal this week. Welcome to Hand the Pot. gentlemen boys and girls welcome to episode 381 of hand of pod uh, i'm sam kelly this week i'm joined by english dan hello and welcome by andres hello everyone by tony hello and by um real life conmebol copa libertadores world feed commentator peter coates <laughs> Thanks for that grand intro. Pleasure to be back on the pod. Welcome back, Peter. It's been a while. Um, hopefully, as I said, I, I sound a little better. We've already had one false start on this recording because Dan can't apparently remember what my voice normally sounds like. Uh, if you did hear last week's episode and wondered what the hell was going on, then we can only apologise. We don't know what was going on either. There, there was some kind of audio problem in the Zoom call, presumably. Um, but uh, hopefully everybody sounds as they should this week. Um, as usual, I have started this recording and have completely forgotten that I ought to have had the results of the football matches that have been played since the last episode already on my phone so that I could read them. So just give me a second while I bring them up. The fifth, was it the fifth round or the fourth round? The fifth round of Copa Libertadores group stage action has taken place um, and the matches involving Argentine sides went as follows. Boca Juniors nil, Libertad nil in the Bombonera. That was a result which meant that Boca qualified with two games, sorry, with one game to spare um, for the last 16. Uh, Nacional won Racing 2 in Montevideo. So Racing gained some revenge there uh, for the 1-0 defeat that they suffered in the uh, whatever the opposite of the reverse fixture is. Um, Next down is River, River uh, 2, Sao Paulo 1 uh, in Independiente's stadium, because I can't remember, I think we did mention this a week or two ago, that River are having the Monumental remodelled slightly, um, while, while they're not allowed any fans in it anyway, and therefore they couldn't play in their own stadium. Uh, Tigre 1, Guarani 3, and Delphine 3, Defensa y Justicia nil late on Thursday night slash early on Friday morning for those of us in Argentina. Um, let's begin. Well, let's take them in the order they were played in, I suppose, chaps. Um, we'll begin with Boca versus Libertad. That result, as I said, sees Boca into the last 16. And kind of similarly to a couple of the games last week, which did have goals when we said it was a very one-sided match, this was about the most convincing nil-nil um, that I've seen for a while. Uh, yeah, completely one-sided. Boca, I have no idea how that how they didn't win that game. They just peppered Libertad's goal with chances. I mean, it always helps when you've got a goalkeeper like Martin Silva between the posts. He's always a fairly reliable performer when it comes to continental competition. 
but in the end, uh, I think the draw was as good as a win for Boca because uh, later that night, Caracas were upset. Um, yeah, upset. They'd, they'd won their last two games. They were upset at home by Independiente Medellin, who finally got off the board in Group H with their first points. And that means that not only did Boca qualify, which was already guaranteed, they also qualify in first place from Group H, which you think had to be you know, the objective for Boca in a group, which I think you could say it was more awkward than, than daunting with the teams there. Um, they're always likely to be able to get out of it I think, without too many uh, ifs and buts. Um, so, yeah, uh, with hindsight, that nil-nil was... Was just a ticket. They could have scored more goals. They came close a number of times. I can't remember. I think right at the end, uh, someone missed an absolutely fantastic chance, but I can't remember who it was. Capaldo, possibly, or other, or Salvio. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, decent performance. We're just lacking a few goals. Um, I thought Cardona was really. Really interesting from off the bench. He's, he's only just come back to Boca and, and he does add something to that team, which is, you know, very much, a, you know, get the ball from the back to, from the back to into, into attack quickly. And, um, and he adds a little bit of class, which is, which is always nice to see. Yeah, it was, um, as you say, I'd, I'd, um, Missed that uh, that the Caracas result had also sealed first place for them in the group, um, but yeah, it, it sort of, as you said, it doesn't make much of a difference, but it kind of avoids the danger of a banana skin in the final week, uh, final week of matches, whenever that is, like in two weeks' time or something, isn't it? Um, because it means uh, because Boca are going to be at home to Caracas in that last match, so obviously, had Caracas got the win that they would have been expecting, they might have been able to hope for an upset and uh, they'd have gone in a point behind Boca and as it is they go in four points behind them um, in group H uh, in the next one down here is group F Nacional against Racing I suspect we're going to get Dan's opinion on this one as well it was another pretty one-sided match uh, and this time you might say the correct result uh, the result that the statistics and indeed watching the match would have led you to um, expect, which wasn't necessarily the case when these two sides met in the Cilindro a couple of weeks earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Racing went into it, I think, with the right attitude. They only needed a draw to, um, to make sure they'd, they'd be safe for the, um, for the last round of fixtures. Um, but they went out and they wanted to win. They, they were unlucky to lose in Algenia, as you said, against, against Nacional, that was the first match back um, after lockdown. And a very similar performance. First half, they were completely on top, went ahead uh, through Nicolas Reniero 16 minutes in. Um, kind of typical Becasese goal, just really pressing the defence as uh, Nacional were trying to play it out, forced the... Um, for some mistake from the defender, Reniero drew it at home, making up for his missed penalty last week against Alianza Lima, or two weeks ago, as it will be now. Um, and then at halftime, Becasese made a few curious changes, I think um, is the, say, the first way to say it. 
Um, he, he took off uh, Melgarejo and and Marcelo Diaz. No, Montoya and Marcelo Diaz, who have been pretty solid in the first half, brought in a couple of new players. Kind of didn't feel find their feet at the start, and then uh, Nacional pulled it back to one all with a bizarre goal. I don't know if you've all seen it. Um, Alexis Soto basically seeing the ball bounce off his head after um, after Nadia's save and just creeping over the line in that sickening fashion um, to, uh, to equalise. And that was when but Racing just kept going. Um, the game got a bit chaotic at that point. There were chances either end. Arias came out of a couple of very good saves. Um, and then just as you're coming into the... The final stages, uh, Racing, Racing got the penalty, which there wasn't really any doubt about it because the Nacional keeper basically decapitated, I think it was Fertoli, um, who also scored the penalty, and I think he won the foul. Where he just got absolutely crushed by the keeper and, and managed to convert the penalty. And yeah, deserved win for Racing. They're also qualified now for, for the last 16. And they have the edge on Nacional for first place at the moment, I think, by commonable rating, commonable ranking, sorry, um, if I read correctly, because they've got an identical record in games played, games won, goals scored, goals conceded. But if all stays the same, if, you know, if they have identical results in the last rounds, Racing will go through based on their higher commonable ranking or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, all together, very positive for Racing, I think. They still need a little bit more um, precision in front of goal um, when Lisandro Lopez is is back and you know Dario Tutanish, these guys are back. I think that's going to be a big boost for him. But overall, can't complain. You know, through to the last sixteen. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we just have to see uh, what comes out in the wash in those last matches. So Racing's last match is. At home to Estudiantes de Merida. There we go. Yeah. And Nacional at home to Alianza. So the two, far and away, the two best teams in the group against the two worst teams by quite some distance. Mm. So it's, it's probably just going to be a matter of seeing who can who come up with, nice. the, uh, yeah. Yeah, with <laughs> the biggest win. Um, River secured, I think, top spot. They certainly no. secured qualification. They secured qualification. That's right, they're still in second. Um, and they put Sao Paulo out. Um, and indeed, Sao Paulo still might yet not make it even into the Sudamericana. <laughs> although that seems quite unlikely given the um, <laughs> given what Binacional have managed to do in this group so far. Um, it's a hunt to Binacional. They just they don't deserve really to be a football club, I don't think. No, indeed. Especially with revenge on their minds. Because, of course, mm. if I'm remembering correctly, they were the team who lost... To be Nacional in the was it the opening week almost the opening day yes. of this copper uh, away yeah uh, altitude yeah. Uh, River put in a, a very impressive performance as I said in the first half at least in Independiente Stadium uh, fully deserved a two one half time lead in my opinion um, and uh, in the second half obviously São Paulo especially in the last sort of quarter of the game came into it rather more and, and were exerting some pressure. Um, that River were able to largely hold them at arm's length. Um, Andres, happy with with how that's gone, presumably? Yeah, yes. Uh, 
of course, I, I am very happy about the, the production of the team in the, as you said, in the first half, showing, again, showing that the quarantine and the, and the stoppage uh, six, seven months, uh, they, they didn't affect uh, River uh, that much. And, and in this first half was, uh, uh, they deserve even a, a, a bigger difference, I think. Then in the, in the second half, they had to, to resist because of Paolo, they, they have, uh, well, they didn't have the results, but uh, they, they managed the ball uh, in a good way, um, but they couldn't uh, break uh, the defense of, of River. Um, they, in the uh, last 13 minutes, uh, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, there was uh, like a lack of, uh, th th there you, you could show or you could notice that River was like a bit uh, in, a, in a, not a bad form, but they, they, uh, they fell a bit uh, physically. And Sao Paulo, well, they were close to, to, to get the, the equalizer. Finally, they, they couldn't get it. Uh, and that's why River uh, finally advances to the round of 16. Uh, and if they win against uh, Liga de Quito, they, then, then yes, they, they, they will secure their, 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 first, uh, their first spot. Uh, if not, uh, they, will, they could play against Boca in, the, in, the, in that round of 16. But overall, in the overall performance, I, I, I am glad about the, 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 how the team worked. And, and uh, about uh, Julian Alvarez, the new uh, project from Gallardo, who, yes, he has been playing, but now, uh, appears as uh, perhaps the, the key a key player in the in the starting lineup uh, when Quintero uh, is out and with Borre with that you didn't know whether he will stay or not now uh, Gallardo is like uh, 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 looking for for him for Alvarez as a another another uh, option in attack and well he's he's playing really really well. Yeah, two very nicely taken goals um, yes. from him. Um, there was something I was going to say and I've forgotten what it was. So, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious to know uh, what Andres, what his thoughts were on Lucas Martinez Cuarta leaving the, the Fiorentina yesterday or the day before, I can't remember when, but obviously Robert, Roberto Rojas comes into the team, but are you slightly worried that River are now short defensively? Yes, um, of course it's a big loss because uh, uh, he has been uh, showing a great performance uh, late, uh, lately and uh, uh, but I, I, on the other hand I think that it was the, the, the right moment for him to leave, of course not for River but for him with 24 years and three years uh, so far playing in the first division uh, you could say that the money is not enough and, and it's a low amount, uh, but uh, I think it's overall $15 million. If Martinez Cuarta plays 13 matches, I think, in Fiorentina, uh, but uh, uh, he wanted to leave and uh, now, as you said, will be Robert Rojas, I think, in the, in the, as the first uh, uh, back. Uh, and apart from that, Gallardo is preparing Augusto Aguirre as a future uh, promise for, for uh, some, some media outlets say he's the future Martinez Cuarta. We will have to see that. But uh, uh, for the first matches, uh, I think that, well, the first match uh, that River will play will be against uh, Liga de Quito, uh, the 20th of October. There, I, I think he will choose for, uh, for Robert Rojas. He has, has been showing also uh, great uh, or good performances uh, instead of, of, of Paulo Diaz, who I think he's more 
uh, identified with the right back than in the uh, center back. Yeah, as Peter says, that was a transfer that just went through a day or two ago, uh, which will still be just a day or two ago when this goes online, because in the second half of this podcast, we're going to be previewing the internationals. So I'm going to try to get it up rather quickly this week. Um, moving on, Tigre versus Guarani. Uh, there were two games on Thursday night, in fact, um, involving Argentine sides, and neither of them went particularly well. Tigre Guarani was the more um, predictable of those results. Uh, the slightly surprising thing was that it was actually level for ooh, nearly 20 minutes um, to begin and then nearly 20 minutes later on as well. Johan, or however the hell you say that name, Romana uh, gave Guarani the lead 19 minutes in. Uh, Pablo Magnin equalised for Tigre uh, 10 minutes before half time. Jose Florentine put uh, Guarani ahead 10 minutes into the second half. And then they wrapped it up quite late on with a goal from former Independiente man, Cecilio Dominguez, um, who was rather good in, in the game for what it's worth. Uh, Tigre, bottom of Group B. It's gone, I guess, largely as, as we would have probably predicted, even though, you know, in our hearts, we would have all wanted Tigre to surprise us and, you know, playing in the second division, but it also in the Libertadores, having won last year's Copa Superliga. It would have been nice if they gone uh, gone out there and, and pulled up a few trees, but that doesn't look likely to happen. Uh, they have still got to play um, give me a second, away to Palmeiras, uh, and at the moment they find themselves three points and quick bit of maths, three goals of goal difference behind Bolivar, who are in third place. So as it stands right now, it would be very surprising indeed if Tigre even managed to squeeze into the Sudamericana. Um, Palmeiras and Guarani are assured of the top two spots in that group. And it's going to come down to, it might come down to goal difference, uh, but that's highly unlikely. That would involve Tigre having to thrash Palmeiras while Guarani also got a comfortable win over Bolivar. Um, Moving on, Defensa y Justicia were in a much better position and have been doing much better in their group until they had to travel to Ecuador. I don't know which city Delfina play in, um, or I've forgotten, um, and in Manta. Um, and they lost 3-0 to a team who, if I'm remembering correctly, they'd beaten fairly comfortably just a couple of weeks previously in Florencio Barrela. Uh, yeah, they'd, they'd beaten them 3-0. Uh, in, in the home match when, when we got going again. Um, that was... Did, did anybody watch this one, apart from me? Because this, this was the game that kicked off at 11 o'clock on Thursday night, so I've just got to ask whether I'm just talking on my own here. Or... I did not watch it. It was far too late for me. Uh, I wasn't even tempted, to be honest. Uh, but I would like to know about it, because defence defense have been going pretty well until, until that game. Uh, what went wrong, Sam? Or someone else who did watch it? Did anybody else catch it? No. No, oh, not to be honest, no. Well, we, we've talked before about how entertaining Defensa Justicia have been to watch. I mean, under their last few managers, really. And Hernan Crespo's not been an exception to that so far. Um, they went out with, with a very high line. And Delphine, in the first half especially, it was just it was entirely against the run of play. Delphine went in, I think, 1-0 up. Yeah, 1-0 up at the break, having 
scored, Janer Corroso scored basically the only chance that I can remember Delphine having in the first half. Uh, most of the rest of, the, of that half was played in the Delphine half of the pitch uh, with defence just dominating but not being able to find a way through. And then there were two goals about two and a half minutes apart um, with about 15, 20 minutes to go, which just took the life out of the game, really. It was, it was quite bizarre. Jose Valencia and then Carlos Garcés um, scoring on the counter-attack as, as defensive were pushing up uh, further and further in search of, of trying to make something happen. Um, and then Nestor Brighton got, got sent off. But, I mean, that was already deep into stoppage time with the game gone. It was... It's disappointing because obviously defence are one of the we have explained on the pod, on the podcast in the past about how they're not perhaps as cuddly and uh, you know butter wouldn't melt in their mouth as much as as you might think. But they're a, a small club and, and relatively likable at least on the South American continental stage still. Uh, so it would have been nice to to see them um, do something. As it is, they'll probably be all right anyway because their last match is in the group no, is... Big trouble. Oh, oh, they're away to Santos. So that's going to be an interesting one, in fact. Remind me, can you remember what they did way back in the midst of time before there was a pandemic on, Dan, against Santos when they, they were home? They lost 2-1 at home. I think they, they even took the lead and then they let it, they let it slip mm. in the second half. They played very well the, in that game. It was the first game. Of the group. Yeah. It was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I must say, so, I'd rather have Olympia's fixed year than defensive Odysseus. Yeah, I wonder whether they'll regret this round of fixtures because Santos beating Olympia had left the door wide open for them to yeah. seal their qualification against what should have been the weakest opponent. So yeah. leaving it to the last day and away trip to Santos, even though they've got the, the group wrapped up, is less than ideal. And yeah, and, and in fact, game, actually. any of those yeah, three teams might still end up taking second place. Because um, Santos, as, as Peter says, are way clear. They've got 13 points. Defensive Justicia currently second on six. And Olympia have five. And Delphine have four. Um, and obviously Olympia are meeting Delphine uh, in, in Asuncion. Um, so Olympia, the home side there. Uh, and we will have to wait and see what happens. I mean, if Defensive Justicia don't get the draw, that, that they'll be... Uh, well, if if they don't get a, if, if they don't even get a draw, if they lose and Delphine beat Olympia, then it's going to be Delphine going through, which would be remarkable, given that as Dan says, they've spent the first four matches of this group being clearly the worst team in it. Hopefully, hopefully Santos uh, have a I wouldn't say reserves uh, formation there, but perhaps they play more relaxed than if they had to win to get the qualification. So perhaps mm. that's uh, an advantage. Uh, for 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 defensive justicia. Yeah, I'm just looking at the Brazilian table now to see whether we can try and second guess them. Santos are currently they're only 13 games gone, um, but they're currently in sixth place. They are a win away from second place. Uh, that would put them onto 23 points. So they'd be a point clear of Internacional and Palmeiras, who are currently second and third. Um, and their matches are, let's see, they've got Corinthians on the 7th. Is that this weekend? Of course, yes, Brazil. So, oh, it's tomorrow, in fact. So they play through the international break. Um, they play Corinthians away, then they've got... Oh, that's the whole fixtures. That's not Santos's matches. Hang on. Click the wrong button there. Then they've got Gremio at home, 
Then Atletico Goianense, then Coritiba. That's a lot of matches before they even get around to playing Defensa Justicia. And then at home to Defensa Justicia a few days after. So it's sandwiched between, yeah, they've got league games a couple of days either side, which of course Defensa Justicia aren't going to have. Um, yeah, they've played every three or four days. So it might be an opportunity to rest players, but then again, it's going to be a tough one for Defensa. Yeah, basically, defence, I need to hope that Santos is still up there after another like four or five matches um, and might fancy giving the league a push. And then hope that they can spring it up. So. Anyway, Brazil continues playing the Brasileirao, but uh, uh, I, I must say, this is obvious, but uh, uh, the first match of the qualifiers is against Bolivia in Brazil. You could, you could imagine that they, they could play, play with all... Uh, well, reserves, uh, uh, and they will they will win anyway in Bolivia in Brazil. Uh, but I don't think it has to do with the uh, the, quali- the the qualifiers. But uh, they all, all all the time they decide to play uh, uh, independently of the of the FIFA uh, rounds, right? Yeah, that's right. They're, I mean, certainly at the moment they are, and even when everything is normal the Brazilian league tended to play through the international break in any case, didn't it? So, um, yeah, I guess. The Brazilian league never stops. No. I think even in the 2014 World Cup or something, they carried on having domestic games or at least one World Cup or Copa America. Hmm. They love playing games. They yeah, def- play. definitely dur- during the Copa America last year, there were some matches going on, weren't there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's the... Uh, the... the Fortunes is the word I was grasping around. Therefore, that, that, those are the fortunes of the Argentine clubs of the last little while. Uh, we may as well, since there's basically one match left now, I'll go through all of the groups, including those that don't have the Argentine sides. Uh, group A has been all... Ooh, it's not quite been won by Flamengo, but it's been almost won by Flamengo. They were on 12 points, goal difference of four. Um, Independiente del Valle, who of course thrashed Flamengo a couple of weeks ago, 5-0, uh, are on nine points with a goal difference of four um, and one goal more scored. So if Flamengo lose and Independiente del Valle win in that last match, then Independiente del Valle will win the group. Atletico Junior have a goal difference of minus two and are three points behind Independiente del Valle. So they will need a big goal difference swing if they're going to do anything other than go into the Sudamericana. Barcelona of Ecuador, not of Catalonia, um, are bottom of that group at the moment and with a really big goal difference swing might make it into the Sudamericana but that's probably not going to happen in group B that's uh, Tigres group as we've said Palmeiras on 13, Guarani on 10 uh, Bolivar on 4 and Tigre out of the Libertadores but perhaps still in with an ever so faint hope of making the Sudamericana if all of the planets align and various miracles happen on one point Group C, Atletico Paranaense have 10 points, Jorge Wilstermann have 7, and Peñarol and Colo Colo are deadlocked on 6 points each. I would like to see who's playing each other in the last game of a uh, lot of those ones. Colo Colo are at home to Jorge Wilstermann, and Peñarol are at home to Atletico Paranaense in the remaining matches in that, in that group, so that could be an interesting one. Um, Group D, as we've said, LDU, Quito, atop of it at the moment. River are second on 10 points. And I, we didn't mention this when we were talking about this group, but I think I'm right in saying that River are at home to LDU, Quito 
uh, on the last day of that group and Sao Paulo um, on four points with B Nacional on three. So mathematically, Sao Paulo aren't even certain of a Sudamericana spot yet, but that's probably what will happen. Group E is the Battle of the Porto Alegre sides, of course. Gremio are currently top of it with 10 points. Internacional have eight. America de Cali have five. And Universidad Católica of Chile? Correct me if I'm wrong there, please. No, it's America de Cali. Ah, yes. America de Cali and and Universidad Católica are fourth. Uh, with four points. Um, And I think it's the Chilean Universidad Católica because this new Ecuadorian one who keep confusing me are in the Sudamericana, I think. Group F, Nacional and Racing, as Dan has mentioned, are both dead level at the top at the moment. 12 points each, seven goals scored, three goals conceded. Estudiantes de Merida have also scored seven goals but have let in 10 and have four points. And Alianza Lima have a goal difference of uh, uh, minus five. So it wouldn't be that big of a goal difference swing to perhaps sneak into the Sudamericana, except they're obviously playing uh, either Nacional or Racing, i.e. a much better team. Um, and they've only got one point. Group G, Santos 13, Defensive Justicia 6, Olympia 5, Delphine 4, with it all very much up in the air with Defensive Justicia away to Santos on the last game last day of that one and in group h as we've said boca already assured of first place so it is a straight uh runoff between caracas and libertad for second caracas currently have second place on goal difference uh their goal difference is oh no goal scored in fact they've both got a goal difference of minus one but caracas have scored eight and libertad have scored six and independiente medellin uh, are out of everything they can't even sneak a sudamericana place because they're on three points so four points behind the two teams above them. Um, I wanted to ask uh, Peter, since we haven't had you here in a while, and also since you've been watching um, possibly a greater variety of Libertadores matches than than a lot of the rest of us, because you have been commentating on some of them. Um, what have you made of, of the Copa generally so far? If you can <laughs> remember stitching together those first two matches way back when with, with the three that we've just had now. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult tournament to, to assess. I think it's going to be interesting as we go on um, because of that huge break. Um, some leagues yet to return, others having almost played through. Um, we're still seeing a lot of cases crop up. So teams hugely affected by that, as we've seen with Flamengo, probably the, the highest profile. So I think it's, it makes it quite an unpredictable tournament, um, which is going to be, continue the case as we go on. Uh, but I still think you look at it as probably the, the likely candidates um, coming from Brazil and, and Argentina when you when you look at the in most impressive teams. I mean, I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe you'd have tagged Independiente del Valle in that group. Um, but then again, since that 5-0 demolition of Flamengo, they've, they've gone and lost 4-1 to Junior and then 4-0 to Flamengo. So maybe that slowed their momentum. Um, so, I, I mean, I, still, I think we're still looking at Boca River and Flamengo, Palmeiras as the, as the favourites. Were you, and I don't know how much um, contact you've had with your, your colleagues in, in the commentary uh, of the whole thing, but were you guys sort of as surprised as we were that when the break ended and everybody came back to the Libertadores, the Argentine side who kind of given everybody else a huge advantage by virtue of not having been playing in their leagues for several weeks beforehand. 
um, didn't really look any less match sharp or any less fit uh, than than say the Brazilian teams who had been you know well into their season by that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was fully anticipating it's going to that it could be tricky for the Argentinian sides, particularly those that still needed crucial points, having to hit the ground running. But in truth, even in that first week, other than Tigre, which are real outliers in, in the discussion about Argentina, um, all of the teams look really good. I know Racing lost in that first week, but dominated Nacional. Um, and really, I, I think over these weeks, you're still looking at River Boca and Racing um, as, as three of the strongest performers. And, and I think we'll be looking at that themselves and saying, well, we can carry this through uh, into the knockout stages and, and really go far. Sorry about that. I was trying to unmute my microphone and the button wasn't having it. Um, yeah, well, we shall see. Um, the last rounds of matches are, as I said before, I think in two weeks' time. I might be misremembering, but that rings a bell. Um, and the Sudamericana is, I think, coming back later this month. Can somebody yeah, tell me week, I'm right about the, that? The week after, so in two weeks, is the final group games for the Libertadores. And the week after that, will be, um, I, th I think, if I'm remembering correctly, is, is when the Sudamericana restarts. And then I think it's like two weeks of Sudamericana and then weeks of the two tournaments being played at the same time. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. And then in theory, sometime in the middle of next month, supposedly, a very short version of the Argentine top flight. But, well, wait and see. Don't hold your breath for that one. Um, we were going to, we've got... Pardon me, I'll get my teeth in properly. We will take a short half-time break now um, while we refill our glasses or get another mate or whatever. And then we'll come back and we will preview uh, Argentina's two World Cup qualifiers. Argentina's first two World Cup qualifiers because it's finally going to be getting underway um, at least, what, seven, seven months late? I think it's seven months. Um, for now, don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Um, Argentina have a tough couple of World Cup qualifiers to begin their campaign. I think we're obliged to call Ecuador at home tough, given that at the start of the last run of World Cup qualifiers, they managed to lose that match under... Remind me who the manager was. Uh, Way back. That would have been 2015. Hmm. Of, 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 Martino would have been there. Yes, it was, wasn't it? It was one of his last matches, and then Bowser took over for a few. Yes, that's right. Well, well remembered under Gerardo Martino. Um, and then, of course, they are away to Bolivia, which is never an easy um, fixture. I kind of pity Jeremias Ledesma, Ledesma um, here because he has been called up through. So Juan Musso, one of the goalkeepers 
who definitely wasn't going to play unless there was a, a major injury crisis, um, has been forced out of the squad by rupturing his some knee ligaments, I think. He's having to fly to Rome for surgery on them. Uh, Ledesma has been called up to replace him. And Ledesma was, of course, playing for Rosario Central, but is now playing for Cadiz in the first division in Spain. And he's flying down here, but he's only going to arrive on Thursday, which means he won't be involved, definitely won't be involved, whatever happens, against uh, Ecuador on Thursday. But will then be an almost definitely unused goalkeeper for a trip to La Paz. Um, I mean... Congratulations to him on his first senior call-up, and I imagine he's very happy about that, but I don't really envy him that situation. <laughs> no, definitely not ideal, you know, going all that way and having to stay in the bubble and whatnot to be fourth choice keeper. Uh, but uh, using that as a segue, the keeper situation is quite interesting because there's been some noise that the starting goalkeeper against Ecuador, at least, will not be Iba Franco Armani, nor Esteban Andrada, which I thought was interesting. Um, Emiliano Martinez apparently is is in line to take it, which would be his, his first cap um, following, you know, all those games he played well for Arsenal. And now, now when, please. Sorry. Um, some toy it's, it's, it's brilliant how, how your one actually stops doing stuff when you tell them to. I try that with Latrice and she just looks at me and then carries on. It was definitely aided because his mum was ne- next to him and took away the toy he was rattling. But yeah, you know, occasionally he'll do what he's told. Um, yeah, so I think that's um, a bold move by Scaloni, um, especially considering the two people he would be overlooking are Boca and River players. So if it goes wrong in any way, he will get crucified. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what what you guys think um, I'm not a habit- an habitual Arsenal or Aston Villa watcher so is is he worth all the hype should we believe the hype on a personal level I'm very uh, happy for him um, I mean yeah, we've been yeah. we, we, we've we've been following his career kind of very half-heartedly on hand of pod because he signed for Arsenal I think about two months or so after I moved to Argentina and therefore about four or five months before we began this podcast. And having been at Arsenal for 10 years, he barely played for them, if, if, if he played for them at all, um, before last season. And then, of course, managed to win the FA Cup um, and then immediately was, was sold to Aston Villa. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy for him because he, he's had um, a a very interesting career path and a, and a rather frustrated uh, time until now trying to stake a claim to be first choice goalkeeper somewhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, on, on that level, um, I, I think it's a, a wonderful story in terms of how well he's been playing beyond obviously having seen how well Aston Miller have done uh, at this early stage of the Premier League season. I'm, I'm a bit of a blank, I'm afraid. Yeah, his international career has been interesting as well because he got one call-up right at the end of last year where he was also um, a non-playing goalkeeper. And, you know, he, had, he did get one call-up before then. Do you know when it was? Go on, under Maradona maybe? No, under Sergio Batista. Too fat in like March or April 2011. 
in that really weird friendly that um, Argentina C played in in Nigeria, where they were losing four 0 and then there was they just gave like a ridiculous penalty in the last minute, and there were all kinds of talk that it was fixed. Um, oh, for it, both teams to score or something like that, yeah. Yeah, or that it was going to be more than five goals or something like that, which mm. it caused all sorts of hoo-ha. And that day, um, it was actually one of three ex-independiente goalkeepers that Argentina had that day, I think. Oscar Ustari was, was there. He was going to be first choice. Remember him? Remember Oscar Ustari? He was actually brilliant. And the other one was Adrian Gabardini. Yes. So, yeah. Um, he went, so he went eight years between his first and second international call-ups. And I guess that kind of sums up his career in a way. As, as a second choice keeper, it's, it's not an easy, um, well, it's quite easy, you know, physically, but mentally, psychologically, I guess. It's, it's not an easy position to, to occupy as a footballer. No, indeed. Uh, so I'm glad he's going to get the chance. No, it looks like he's going to get the chance now, as you say. There, there's still some debate, but it looks like he's going to be given the gloves. Um, we have we did talk about the main squad announcement when it happened as well, but there have been a few other guys coming in from the local league as well. Uh, you've mentioned Armani and Andrade already, Dan. Um, can anybody remember who the others? Oh, I've got. In fact, the, the starting eleven looks like Gonzalo Montiel and Lucas Martinez Cuarta. Um, are both going to start. Uh, so they'd be two. Obviously, we mentioned in the first half that Martinez Cuarta is now a Fiorentina player, but he's been called up as a River one. Um, who are the others? Are there any others? Just Sal- Salvio was the other one. But it looks ah, like yes, of he course. has coronavirus, so I don't know if he'll be able to stay with the club, with, uh, with the national team. So presumably he wasn't one of the Boca... Uh, 118 or whatever it was, members of Boca's playing staff or, or coaching staff who caught it the first time round? Or is this a reinfection? I don't know. Because apparently um, he took one test and it came out negative and then the, serolo- the serologic tests or whatever it is come out positive. Um, yeah, he must have been probably the only one in Boca who didn't get it in the first, um, in the first round and now he hasn't been so lucky. Yeah. Um, so he's out, and uh, so apparently is Giovanni Lo Celso from the reading I was doing during our halftime break. Uh, it yes. looks like he has already forgotten exactly what the injury is, uh, but that apparently means that Ezequiel Palacios is probably now going to start in the midfield um, with Lo Celso unavailable. He has a muscular problem. According to TSA Sports, that's very enlightening, isn't it? Which I really doubt. I think it's just Mourinho trying to avoid any kind of long travels. But he travelled, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's, he's, he has travelled, but he's now yeah. being relieved of duty. Oh, he can stay in Rosario a couple of days. So. <laughs> no, he can't. <laughs> Poor guy. According to the goal uh, website, the, the, the formation will be... No, with uh, Palacios, but with uh, uh, the Paul and Paredes uh, uh, will be with Martinez, like Dan said, uh, then Montiel, Martinez Cuarta, Otamendi, Tagliafico, uh, De Paul, Paredes, Dybala, or Acuna, then Messi, Lautaro Martinez, uh, and Campos. Yeah, which I, I'm looking forward to seeing that front three um, together because Lucas Ocampos 
last season for Sevilla was brilliant, especially in the uh, towards the end of you know in in the uh, the post pandemic and the Europa League um, finals, as we apparently have to call them. Um, he, he was really good. It was pretty much Sevilla's best player, from what I've been told by um, people who watch La Liga on a regular basis. Um, so that's going to be potentially a, a, a very nice uh, front three to watch. Yeah, Dybala replacing uh, Lo Celso would be rather bold, I think, if there was those front three. Uh, and then you also put Dybala in there. We'll be leaving a lot for uh, Paredes as the, the defensive midfield player to cover. So I would, I would assume it would be Palacios or Acuna, I read, was the other option. But Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can't see him playing Messi, Acampos, Lautaro and Dybala. That seems a little bold. That would basically be... Paredes is the defensive midfielder and then a line of four attacking midfielders come forwards behind Lautaro Martinez. So that, that would, I mean, I, if he decides to go for it, then it will be entertaining, uh, <laughs> if nothing else. Um, do we know anything about Ecuador or Bolivia's preparations, gentlemen? The one thing I read about Ecuador is that they have had to call up a... Um, a new keeper last minute because one of their normal keepers uh, got injured or no, he didn't get injured. He got, uh, he got the, the Lurgy and mm-hmm. he was a neighbor of Messi's in Rosario, Hernan Galindez. He's at Catholic Universidad Católica now of Chile. I, no, of Ecuador. Sorry. I did a Sam. Um, and and yeah, he played Messi as um as a kid before he before he went off to Barcelona. And he says he has fond memories of facing him. I, I don't know if he's in line uh, to play. Um, I'm guessing the keepers that are already there will will start in front of him. But yeah, that's about all I know about Ecuador. And Bolivia, um, anybody? Any ideas? Well, Bolivia's one of the three countries still alongside Argentina and Venezuela who haven't managed to get their, their league started. So I'm guessing in some way that will lead to parity of conditions. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, dif- the, the difference might be that Bolivia's team is going to be more largely drawn from Bolivia's own league and to a lesser extent elsewhere in South America than, than the Argentine yeah, side think... which has got I mean assuming Martinez is the starting goalkeeper then the Argentine side is going to have just Montiel and Martinez Cuarta from the local league isn't it? Yes that sounds right um, yeah just looking at the Bolivia squads they only have one two players based outside Bolivia they're fantastically named Boris Cepedes, who plays for Switzerland's Servet. So that's Boris Lorn. Lorns. Yes. And Jaume Quechar of Spal of Italy. The rest are, are locally based. So that could be very difficult for them, yes. Although they've, you know, they've got a couple of teams who've been playing. Uh, it's just no, Bolivar and Wilsterman, right? Yes. Oh, and Leonardo Zavala, an 18-year-old at Palmeiras. 
uh, yeah, I mean, looking at the Bolivia squad, it's going to be tough for them, altitude or, or no altitude. Yeah, although we've, we've heard that before and then it turns out that actually the altitude's more of a leveller than, <laughs> than we give credit for sometimes. Uh, so we will yeah. see. Um, but certainly that's going to be the main um, difficulty for Argentina, uh, we would think. I'm just going to, by the way, point out uh, to anybody who, like me, uses the SofaScore app, uh, that in spite of the information that they give here, I just happened to have clicked on Argentina, Ecuador, um, while I was flicking through while Dan was talking. Uh, this match, obviously, if you were listening to the first half of the podcast, you'll already have worked this out, is not going to be played at Rivers Stadium, as SofaScore claims. Uh, it's going to be at the Bombonera. Because, again, even if the AFA hadn't already taken the, uh, the decision to not play at Rivers Stadium very much these days... Um, River Stadium is currently being remodelled, so River aren't playing there themselves, so the national team certainly aren't. Um, so a swift, a swift return to La Bombonera for Gustavo Alfaro. Yes. <laughs> Very swift, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd completely missed that, actually. That's a good point. Um, moving on. I think now, unless, does anybody have anything to add about the qualifiers? Uh, not about the qualifiers, but uh, there was a big, uh, big piece of news with regards to football in La Provincia of Buenos Aires uh, yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. Go on. Uh, Juan Manuel Lugones, who was in charge of the Aprevide, which is basically the security service that um, controls all like the, all the security in games that take place in Buenos Aires Province, which is you know the La, La Plata clubs, the Avellaneda clubs, Banfield, Lanús, uh, Aldo Civi, all all of those teams outside of um, of Capital, has been sacked finally, and I don't think you'll find. Many people who in the last four years or so since he's been in charge who have gone to games in the province, uh, I don't think anyone will miss him particularly because he was a disaster, in, in my opinion. He got sacked because he's now going to trial for, um, for sexually abusing a policewoman. I mean. Yeah. Um, I've missed that entirely. Yeah. Thank you. If we are... Uh, little, we have little uh, controversy in Argentina already. <laughs> we, we have to add that. Okay. The amazing thing is the the charges were filed uh, on May 2016, and yet he managed to stay in the job. You know, with huge responsibility over police, budgets, um, mass gatherings of of people for four years. Only only now they sacked him, and he managed to survive the change of government even which I completely missed, to be honest. Um, no idea why, why he was kept on. Um, but yeah, um, judging by the reaction to the news, there won't be many fans uh, who are sorry to see him go. Uh, the Estudiantes fans especially um, had it out for him because he was the guy who, who kind of banned and was, was fairly violent about banning um, all the, the banners and T-shirts, making reference to their famous... Um, 7-0 victory over, over Gimnasia. Um, and I think he even got to the point where, where fans who wanted to go to a La Plata derby against Gimnasia with, um, 
wearing a shirt with a number seven on their back were, were forcibly kind of barred from entering, which, I mean, we all know football here has its problems with violence, with crowd trouble and, and all the rest, but kind of banning the number seven probably isn't the way to go about it, to, to solve it. I don't know. No, that strikes me as a little extreme, to say the least. Um, moving on to listeners' questions. We have only had a few of these tweeted uh, our way because I completely forgot to um, put out the normal call for questions until Dan reminded me during our halftime break. Um, the first one, I noticed that Tony quote retweeted us. And so before we do anything else, we're going to go through the replies to Tony's quote tweet, uh, which obviously have only appeared in Tony's mentions. So Tony, uh, let me know if you, if you can see any others. Uh, that I can't see here. Uh, but the first one is from Elizabeth Schendel, who says, what are some of the areas for improvement uh, for the women's top flight in terms of player development, visibility and growth strategy? Tony, I'm assuming that you're going to be able to feel this one better than the rest of us. Um, yeah, um, all of them. Um, there's a lot of, in terms of visibility and, and not uh, showing the, the games at 8 a.m. on a Sunday, for example. Uh, I think this should, it should be kind of a route like uh, in England, where they're streaming for free at, at more normal hours. I think that will be a right step. Um, player development, it's, uh, it, it goes hand-in-hand hand with full-time uh, trainings and have access to uh, actual training grounds, and maybe not training on, on some parks <laughs> that happens. And I, I, at least the growth strategy is there. The AFA made it. So I, there is at least an idea uh, laid out of uh, how they wanted to uh, strengthen uh, the women's side. But like I'm saying, saying just a few examples, uh, obviously there's a lot to be uh, improved in that regard. We could say, uh, if I can add, we did have... Uh, another piece of kind of national team and women related news that um, Argentina's game on Thursday will be the first national team game to be commentated by a woman, Angela Lerina. That's a very, right. Yep. Um, a TNT sport journalist. She used to work for, for Football Para Todos as well as a um, kind of a, what do you call it? Pitch side reporter. That's the one. Um, very knowledgeable, very kind of serious talks much more sense than most people in Argentine football. So I think that's great. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Viviana Mila commentated a couple of matches during the last World Cup, if I remember rightly, but Angela Lorena is going to be the first woman to commentate on an Argentina match um, rather than on a a national team match, not involving the national team. Um, She will be commentating commentating on the public TV channel. uh, Mm -hmm. Because there will be the TNC sports uh, obvious uh, broadcast and also the public, uh, which will be like a, a launch or, or, or the preparation for for the 2021, not Fútbol Para Todos, but they, they will try to uh, make people watch some matches on the free uh, public TV channel. Yeah. Uh, and going back to, to Tony's point earlier about the uh, the streaming and, and making matches available to, to watch, I think it's a really good point because since TNT Sports came in and, and you know generously and and uh, um, and, and promisingly 
uh, started to include some of the women's matches uh, in the football, um, the paquete football package, which we have to pay for for the, the top flight football, uh, the men's top flight football. Um, that, that's been a, a, a good move, but you kind of get the impression that some of the clubs now are, are saying, right, well, in that case, we want broadcasting rights for all of our women's teams, which at the moment isn't viable because what you need to do first is, is get the eyeballs on it so that people are, are interested enough to, um, to want to watch it. And, and to that end, there, is this, uh, there are a couple of YouTube channels that do stream the matches, as, as Tony's totally obviously aware. Um, so when, when things start up again... We will have to wait and see whether this is all still applicable, though, because I don't know who's going to have, you know, whether those teams are going, uh, whether those YouTube um, channels are still going to have the rights or whatever else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting one and, and a model where sometimes the answer might be that the clubs need to just not hang on to this idea of making money any way they can in the short term um, and look more towards the longer term and building the audience, first of all, if that makes sense. Um, okay, we've had some others from uh, into the main hand of pod account now. Uh, Guy says, what is the plan for restarting the league and how many match days are we going to have? Plan? Somebody want to feel this? What's, what's this word plan? Um, I saw uh, quite a few clubs have been having friendlies. So that's something. I mean, they've at least played a couple of games. Um there was talk about bringing the Primera back kind of the first weekend after the international window, but that is now about 10 days away. So I can't see that happening. Um, just the latest I've seen. Push it. it. Yeah, push it a couple of weeks after Right. Like the third, rather than the 23rd of October to the 30th of October. That's what I, mm. but everything is still like, like with the asterisks of if the, government give it okay so i mean it's all well and good the super league are giving dates but yeah it all re- reminds me of the the sign you see in kind of old almacenes old kind of corner shops when it says hoy no se fia mañana se <laughs> like yeah we're not you, you won't get credit today but but ask again tomorrow and that seems to be the the logic which with, with which this calendar is um unraveling today there's no games ask again tomorrow yeah, well, in, in terms of uh, how many match days we might have if this ever actually happens, the all, all that we hear whenever this does get mentioned is that it's going to be a truncated championship. Uh, and that's it. There is, somehow or other, they're going to get something together and have a very shortened top flight uh, championship, supposedly. Um, and if there's one football association in the world who can come up with some kind of crazy solution and crown a national champion after very few matches then it's Argentina's Football Association um, but realistically don't hold your breath um, is, is all we can say to that one uh, Tasheres Eng or Tasheres in English whose Twitter at in case anybody wants to follow them is my Tasheres um, says what do you guys think of the Nahuel Bustos trade personally I'm happy with Tasheres selling this 2020 the player export model is having its results. Anybody? Yeah, well, I mean, I think he, he's deserved his move after last season. I think he scored nine goals last season. Um, Where's he gone to, Peter? Uh, well, he's been bought by the City Group <laughs> um, and then sent on loan to one of their clubs, Girona. So, um, 
who knows where he'll be long term, but it's the City group that now own him. And I think they paid something like six and a half million dollars for 65%. Uh, so where he goes long term, who knows? But certainly one of those players that looking last season on his age and his profile that you would say warranted his move. Um, and I guess it's just modern football that it comes in the way that it does via the City group rather than the, the traditional model. He's basically the only, the only Argentine footballer who hasn't moved to Elche in this transfer window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fragarnik must be furious. Fragarnik City Group. <laughs> oh, Christ. Meeting of, uh, meeting of two giants there. Uh, that's it. Those are all of the questions. Unless you've had any others, Tony, on, in your mentions that I haven't spotted. But there was one other, but I'm pretty sure it was an in-joke between you and the person. Yeah, it's a, it's a joke, yeah. Um, we, so... Are we not going to venture predictions for these two Argentina matches? Oh, we should do, shouldn't we? Go on, you, go on you've then. put us up to this, so you, you go first. I'm going to say that Argentina will beat Ecuador 3-1 and they will beat Bolivia 1-0 in La Paz. I'm sticking my neck out. It's brave. Who's going next? Peter? Uh, yeah, two wins. 3-0 uh, and 2-1. Andres? I think it will be 2 nil and 1 nil. And totally? victories. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my goal is going to be a little bit more, more higher, 3-0 three, three and 3-1. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be the pessimist. I'll go for a 2-1 two, <laughs> two, win over Ecuador and a 2-1 defeat to, Bel to Bolivia. Just to put the cat among the pigeons. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening. We will record uh, again towards the end of next week after the Bolivia match, which is on Tuesday. Um, I think I've got the kickoff times actually in my head. They play Ecuador at 9 p.m. on this Thursday, this, this week, the day after tomorrow as we record. Um, no, hang on. Is that right? Is today Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Yes, okay, good. The day after tomorrow then. They play at 9pm. And then next Tuesday they play Bolivia at 5pm Argentine time. Um, we need to thank our Patreon supporters. I would also like to tell our Patreon supporters to just keep an eye on the Patreon blog.com uh, slash handapod. Uh, Patreon.com slash handapod. The blog there, because I'll be putting up some news in the next couple of days um, about a uh, potentially exciting new development for you. Um, which I'm going to be possibly give, doing a test run of uh, during that Argentina-Bolivia match. Um, if you want to become a Patreon supporter and get uh, access to a lot of extra material uh, via Hand of Pod Extra, then please go over to patreon.com slash handofpod. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash handofpod and uh, sign up. You get lots of lovely extra content for that and if you're already doing that then thank you from the bottom of our hearts um for now it's thanks and goodbye from tony goodbye uh from andres thank you goodbye from english dan goodbye from peter goodbye and from me thanks and goodbye <laughs>